We've been sharing on some, um, some different thoughts, but I've kind of grouped them into a, a main thought called the summer essentials. And so back home, I've been talking about what does it really mean to have true joy and true peace? And what does it mean to walk in that? Uh, we've asked a couple of questions. You know, why, why can't I just have joy? Why can't I just have happiness in my life? Thank you. We all need the AC. That's, that's all that is. It's not the devil. Relax. See, that's what helps when you're a visiting preacher, but you've been here before. You know, <laughs> you don't start breaking out in tongues. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, and we've asked the question, you know, uh, why, why can't I just be happy? Uh, and we've asked the question, you know, uh, what, 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 where can I find true hope in life? And we've, so we've spoken on hope and we've spoken on hope being a climate in, in, in which faith can thrive. And we've spoken about faith. What is it to operate in true faith? How do I make sure that what I'm believing isn't just assumption? I'm assuming that that's going to happen. Because so many times in, 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 in some of our church world, we, we assume that the Bible says things, you know, like, you know, God helps those who help themselves, right? Good. I see this is a Bible-believing church. That does not occur in the Bible. Um, and so sometimes we, off, uh, we, we work out of presumption, you know, thinking that just because it's in the Bible that it's automatically going to uh, apply to every single age. Um, you know, there were some things that the Bible wrote that was very specific to very specific groups of people. And we need to learn how to read the Bible correctly so that when we do put our faith in something, it is a surety that it is going to happen. So I don't end up disappointing, disappointed in God uh, where I actually read the Bible wrong. So we spoke about this. And, and one thing that, we, that we, we, we didn't speak on yet and we, we're doing today is, is just the Word of God. Because undergirding all of these things, peace, joy, true joy, not just happiness, hope, and faith, undergirding all of these things is the Word of God. And so my question for today is, where do I get fed the Word of God? Where do I get fed the Word of God? And, and I guess this question can be answered in legitimate ways in, in, different, in different places. And, and, and I'm not picking a fight with today with any other church that does it differently, but I want to I want to emphasize something about our church here that, that, that it's really important for each of us to understand about where do we get fed. Because I, I hear often people say things like, you know, I'm not getting fed at my church, so I want to come to yours. And um, as, as much as that's flattering, you know, at a surface level, it's a little problematic. Um, when you look at it at a deeper level. Because it means that if that person is not getting fed at their church, that that is the only place that they're eating and consuming God's word. And, and I don't want you guys to come and to think that, you know, yesterday, and I believe that every Sunday should be a word from the Lord. Don't get me wrong. And we put our hearts and our passion into um, preparing from God's word a message that will feed. It's the shepherd's call to direct, to feed, to, to guard, to protect the flock and to, and to grow the flock and to, and to nourish the flock. And yet it is not the shepherd's call to be spoon feeding every Christian. And so we wanna create a church environment where we are both really well fed on a Sunday, but 
empowered enough and encouraged enough to go and keep on consuming the bread of life every single day. See, Sunday services are much more than just um, you know, coming and, and, and feeding. And, and we need to look at that because um, if we see this as just a place where I come and get my spiritual nourishment, then we misunderstand a large, large part of what we're trying to achieve here. And so let me, let me reiterate again our church's vision. And I want to use a specific scripture verse today to, to, to help understand and frame where we come from when we call out our church's objective, our goal, what we're trying to build. It's in Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read quite a few verses, 11 to 16. So stick with me. It's from the Passion Translation. It reads like this. He has appointed some with grace to be apostles and some with grace to be prophets and some with grace to be evangelists, and yet others with grace to be pastors, and some with grace to be teachers. And their calling is to nurture and prepare, nurture and prepare all the holy believers to do their own works of ministry. And as they do this, they will enlarge and build up. Our church's vision, reach people, build lives enlarge and build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4.13 says, these grace ministries, the pastors and the evangelists and the prophets and the teachers, and, 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 and um, what's, the, what's the one I'm missing? The one that I'm missing? Their function, they will keep functioning until we all attain oneness in the faith. Here it says oneness in the faith. It doesn't necessarily say oneness in all of our methods, oneness in all of our expressions, oneness in all of our preferences. It says oneness in, in our faith, okay? Until we all experience the fullness of what it means to know the Son of God and finally become one perfect man with the full dimensions of spiritual maturity and fully developed in the abundance of Christ. Let me tell you this, we won't reach that if Sunday is the only place people are consuming the word of God. We can never reach that place if you do not passionately connect with God's word on a personal level as well. But listen to the amazing part that comes next. What happens if every one of us are serious about connecting with the word of God ourselves in our own time? It says this, then our immaturity will end. How many of you know that so much of our struggles and our, our, our fights in this life are actually because of our own immaturity? It's because of our own fears and our own lack of, um, of trusting God and believing and having the faith muscle developed to just know that he will work it out on our behalf. And so we have to step out and try to do it on his behalf, which means you step out in the flesh and you mess it up more than what you can ever do right. Um, it says our immaturity will end and we will not easily be shaken by trouble or led astray by novel teachings. Novel teachings are new, fresh teachings that you know, every other you know, celebrity pastor wants to come up with to sell a book. Um, or by the false doctrines of deceivers who teach clever lies. So 
God wants us to be so stable in our convictions that, you know, our immaturity comes to an end and we're not shaken, but I like this one the most. We're not shaken easily by trouble. When we become mature in our faith, trouble comes and trouble goes, yet we remain standing. That's God's plan for each Christian. God hates it when we're knocked over every single time a little bit of trouble comes our way. He wants us to grow up with enough strength to stay standing. Now look, I've seen people in this congregation go through stuff and remain standing on the other side, right? Intense battles. Um, I saw Chris Scrantz again this morning. Chris, where are you at? He's probably outside somewhere uh, ministering and, 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 and serving. Some of the things he went through, and, and, and here he is, faithfully serving Jesus, where others would have taken offense and walked away and have started doubting God. People who have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ are able to stand through those trials. Verse 15, but instead we will remain strong and always sincere in our love as we express the truth. All our direction and ministries will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. Remember that statement. All of our ministries and uh, direction will flow from Christ and lead us deeper into him. The anointed head of his body, the church. For his body has been formed in his image and is closely joined together and constantly connected as one. And every member has been given divine gifts. Are you a member of the body? Every member has been given divine gifts to contribute to the growth of all. And as these gifts operate effectively throughout the whole body, we are built up and made perfect in love. Man, yeah, that deserves an ovation. All of our strategic intent flows out of Christ, flows out of this verse to, to see us as a church family grow up into the image of Jesus Christ, not into the image of OSC or the image of charismatic churches or the image of uh, whatever else you want, you want to call identities that people call out in the body of Christ. No, it is Christ himself. That is who we want to become like. That is who we are pursuing. But I believe that the success of this goal isn't dependent primarily on our strategic plans as it relates to the effort that me and my fellow pastors and our fellow leaders are putting in, I, I, rather I believe it's dependent on how effectively you are connecting your life to the word of God. And I believe if our strategies and our efforts don't intently or rather uh, intentionally connect back to the word of God, we will fail at our objective ultimately. Why is this? Couple of reasons. The word of God is the primary way we build relationship with God. Not worship, not prayer. The word of God is the primary way we build relationship with God. Not soaking. The word of God is the primary way we build relationship with God. All of those other things are undergirded by the word of God, but without the word of God, they are baseless. They have no substance. They need to be found in the word of God, otherwise they cannot produce anything in us because the word of God is what produces life in us. 
The Bible says in John 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Interacting with the Word of God is directly interacting with God. Getting to know the God of Scripture is getting to know God Himself. You see, when you're interacting with the Bible and it shows you who God is, you learn about God's character, you learn about His nature, and you learn about His love for you. But 2 Timothy 3.16 also says, all scripture is breathed and is profitable for, for, for teaching and for reproof and for correction and training in all righteousness. By that you also learn what God wants. And you mustn't just look at the one and forget about the other. And that's why the Word of God has to remain the primary way that we build relationship with God. And our methods and our, and our add-ons to that are, 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 are ways in which we express our love and our passion and our gifts and our preferences, but it all has to be based. And the only place it can be, can be properly based is if it's found on God's Word. Number two, the degree to which you connect your life to the Word of God is the degree to which you will experience life. Look at any area of your life right now where there is no fruit, you will find a lack of word. It is true, it is true. If you find somewhere in your life that there's a breakdown, there's a lack of word <coughs> happening there. God's word is our essence for life. Paying it lip service results in a mediocre experience of God. The less you know the word, the less you will experience God. In fact, the Holy Spirit calls on the knowledge of God's word that is, re that is resident on the inside of you to help you to experience him. It is always the word first and second the spirit. And I think sometimes we, find we, 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 we miss that point where <clears throat> we, become so, we become so aware of the Holy Spirit's presence that we forget that it is actually the Holy Spirit acting upon the Word. It's not the other way around. And we have to get that right in our lives. So if you have a little level, a little shallow level of Word in your life, the Holy Spirit has little to act upon. But He will act upon that, don't worry. Don't worry. He will use whatever you give, whatever He has to, to work with. But the greater depth you have of, of Word, the greater uh, experience and the greater uh, uh, expression and manifestation of God's life, the Holy Spirit can produce in your life. Scripture says in Psalm 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. If we read and heed the Lord's instructions, he shows us where to go, he shows us what to say, he shows us what decisions to make, he reveals to us when we're going the wrong way, shows us the consequences for keeping on going that way and calls us to repent. Tells us if you go this way, if you follow my word, blessing awaits, but choose today which one you will have. Psalm 119. There's such great peace and well-being that comes to the lovers of your word. They will never be offended. Such great peace that comes to the lovers of your word. I love that. That's awesome. Listen carefully, my dear child. This is Proverbs 4. To everything that I teach you and pay attention to all I have to say, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Think about that. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. 
As you, as, uh, then as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. John 15, five, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, if you remain in me, is to remain in what? It's to remain in the word. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can't do nothing. The third point and why it's really important is that it's imperative that each of us on our own connect and draw deeply from the well of living water that is God's word. John 4, 14, Jesus says to the woman at the well, but whoever drinks of the water that I give them shall never thirst again. And then this, last, this next part is just so fundamental. I'll, I'll return to it at the end of the sermon. But the water I give him will become in him, become in him a spring, a, a, a well of water springing up to eternal life. A well of water springing up to eternal life. But that word, it becomes in him is something I wanna make note of a little later. So back to the question, where do I get fed the word of God? Many come to church to be fed and it's a great place. Um, how many of you do family lunch tradition? Meet with family, yeah, um, okay, yeah, we do. Um, back home, we used to, um, and if we were home. And that's great, right? But what happens on Monday after you've worked a little bit? You get hungry again, right? Now, do you wait for next Sunday's family meal, you know, to, 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 to go for No, you eat every day, okay? So it's a, it's a simple principle, but I think it's really, really valuable to realize that some of us starve ourselves spiritually and think that it's okay to just eat every Sunday um, from God's word and then wonder why there are so many fruitless areas in our lives, why there are so little breakthrough from God's, from God's uh, spirit in our lives. Um, I think so, uh, church needs to be seen as, uh, as, a, as a rhythm a church has an ebb and it has a flow. There's a, there's a gathering, but then there needs to be a scattering as well. And I think what we often miss is we miss the scattering part. What's the purpose of the scattering part? No, the purpose of the scattering part, it's not, okay, now you've done church and now you go and you know, do whatever you are doing. No, the, the, that's the purpose of the, of, the, of the gathering part is to actually prepare you so that you can go and do the work of the ministry during the scattering part. And so when we leave here, we actually, I like one church we had above their doors as, as, as they were leaving church. It says that you are now entering the mission field. <laughs> right? Right as they, as they exit through the doors, they're like, oh, snap, onto the mission field. Here we go. Scatter to go do the work of our ministry. What is the work of our ministry? It's to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. It's go and pray for people to get saved. It is to go and share the gospel with people that have not heard that Jesus is Lord. And listen to me. All believers have been called unto that work. It is not just, it's, in fact, that is not my job as a pastor. My job as a pastor is what I'm doing right now. It's equipping you as the believers, as the saints, to go and do the work of the ministry. Now, when I step out there, where do I step into as a Christian? The mission field, same as you. And so will I be reaching people? Yes, I will, not as a pastor though. I'm gonna go reach them as a Christian because I love Jesus and he saved my life and I want others to know that he can do the same for them. Not because I've got a job to do, no, because I'm employed by heaven and so are you. 
So a lot of work needs to happen during the week. What happens when we work, we get hungry. I hope when you get hungry, you eat. I'm hungry right now. I'm fixing to grab a snack here. Maybe I'll just grab some water. Sometimes we attend other Christian events like life groups. And... Um, and those are also great. And you'll see that so many of our life group materials are actually designed to just point you right back to scripture, whether it's the foundations book that we do or whether it's the freedom curriculum that we do. What they do is they point you back to scripture the whole time, point you back to scripture the whole time. That's by design like that. Because we know that it's, it's not the experience that sets you free, it's scripture. It's the truth that sets you free. And so, but this brings a really important aspect to, to play that, that sometimes is, is, no, no, not sometimes, oftentimes is missed because, because we start looking at the experience and we're thinking life group is gonna change my life. Freedom conference is gonna change my life. Let me tell you this straight up. None of that will change your life unless, unless you manage to connect with what we intend for you to connect within those processes, and that is the Word of God. And so, some of you have gone through some of these things, and um, if you've gone through it and nothing has changed, don't blame the book. Don't blame the life group. Don't blame the process. It's not because of the content, oh, you know, the content was weak and it wasn't that, no, 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 no. It doesn't matter if a five-year-old stands here and tells the truth. A truth remains a truth and it can set you free based on what? Your response to it. Based on your response to it. So often we read the word of God, but we approach it wrong. You know, we wait for the word to do something to us instead of realizing that it's as we respond to it that its power takes effect on us. James says it like this. He says, faith without works is dead. What does that mean? It means when you act on God's truth, that's how it's able to direct you, to change you, to guide you. But when you're passively sitting and kind of just like, mm, I agree with that, it's not gonna change anything yet until you start trying it. Until you start walking according to the new way. And so God's word always calls for a response from us. Always. Always calls for a response from us. And it's as we obey that we are changed. James 1 verse 22 says this. Do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets who he, what he looks like. God wants us to respond to his word. It's, that's kind of the pivot. That's what it, what it rises and falls on. You can know a lot of scripture, but are you actually living it? So each of you got a little card as you came in. Can, can, can you wave your cards at me? Okay. So... So when you walked in, some of you thought it was like, oh, this, this isn't cut straight. Oh, this isn't like really nicely designed. Oh, mine has a white line at the bottom. So what? 
Read the words. Now answer this. Are you doing that? So here's my challenge to you. You're allowed to throw that card out of your wallet when you're consistently living that word. Read it and try it. Try implement it in your life. I'm read, we're going we're gonna to see what Psalm 119 says about responding to God's word. Just to drive the point home. Let me give you some facts about Psalm 119. Psalm 119 is the, it's the longest book in the Bible. It's got, I think, 176 verses. But the real neat thing about it is that it's divided into 22 sections. The Hebrew alphabet has 22 characters, 22 letters. And each section of uh, Psalm 119 is an alphabet letter. So it starts with Aleph, Bet, and then it goes into the whole Hebrew uh, um, alphabet. Each section has eight complete thoughts. Now, it didn't always work out that way in our modern day verse thingy. But if you read it in the Hebrew Bible, this is a pure master poetry piece. Each section has eight lines and each line starts with that letter of the alphabet that it is in categorized in. So the first eight lines of Psalm 119 starts with the letter Aleph. And, and, the, rest, and the rest follows after that. And so this is not a true or a pure, this is not a fact fact, but tradition holds that either King David or the writer of this psalm used this psalm as a way to teach his son the alphabet through helping him to memorize scripture and orientate his life according to the word of God. If that doesn't fall in your spirit, I don't know what will. A, a father's intentionality about the word of God, drilling it into his son's life in a proactive way, making it a part of his normal day existence. Everybody has to learn the alphabet. Why not learn it with scripture? Um, <clears throat> so, Let's read what Psalm 119 says about Scripture. And I want, you to, I want you to read and listen to the emotion in this, okay? It's a, <laughs> the, the key in this, in this next section of, of the sermon is, is all about understanding the, the nuance, the attitude behind these verses. It's not just what it says, but it's how it says what it says that is important here. Verse 27 of Psalm 119 says the following. Open up my understanding to the ways of your wisdom and I will meditate deeply on your splendor and your wonders. I will meditate deeply. Verse 34, give me an understanding heart so that I can passionately know and obey your truth. Can, 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 can you say that of yourself? That you have a desire to passionately know God and to obey his truth? Help me turn my eyes, verse 37, away from illusions so that I can pursue only what is true. 
drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your path. I'm thinking of um, turn my eyes away from illusions, fantasies, lusts, so that I can pursue truth. Drench my soul with life as I walk in your paths. I'll always have an answer to those who mock me because I trust in your word. Verse 45, I will walk with you in complete freedom for I seek to follow your every command. I seek to follow your every command. This is not a guy that is about to nitpick scriptures. Okay, I'll do this one, but I'm not gonna do this one. I'm gonna try that one, but this one is a little too hard. I'm gonna justify why I don't have to do this one. This is one that says, I'm all in, Jesus. Just show me the way, I'm all in. I long, no, verse 47. My passion and delight is in your word. For I love what you say to me. So sometimes we approach God's word from the perspective that it's a book of judgment that's telling me how wrong I am, how, what, I, what, what all I've done wrong, etc. Listen to me. The Bible says clearly in Romans 8, 1 that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So what is the rest of the book for? It is there to encourage us in our righteousness. It is there to affirm us in our identity. It is there to build us up in our true self. Someone says, okay, I need to go find myself somewhere. No, you find yourself when you find yourself in Scripture. You cannot find yourself. Young person, listen to me. You cannot find yourself by going and wandering, taking a walkabout in the world. That's where you lose yourself properly and thoroughly. You find yourself when you see yourself in His light. That's where you find your true self. He says, yeah, my passion and delight is in your word. I love what you say to me. Verse 48, I long for more revelation of your truth, for I love the light of your word as I meditate on your decrees. How many of you know what's the difference between Logos word and Rhema word? Okay, good. So that, that weird teaching hasn't reached here. Okay, great. <clears throat> There's some that believe that, you know, the scripture first has to become rhema to you for it to have power. Um, and and it's, the, it's, it's a weird teaching that came into the body of Christ and, and don't even bother worrying about it any further. What you need to know is the, the scripture in its form as it is written there has power as you combine your faith to it. It doesn't have power when you get the frissons when you read it. It has power when you combine your agreement with it. Okay? I'm getting the frissons right now. I don't know if it's because somebody praying tongues. No, don't, 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 don't. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Is, did I say it wrong? Didn't I say frissons? Listen, if my French accent differs from y'all's, right? I just want to say this. No, no, I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. <laughs> the free songs. It truly has power, however it is written there. But you need to put your agreement to it. 
you need to accept that this is true and then says this is how it'll be. You need to add your amen to it. So when the Bible says every um, promise of God is yes and through it our amen is added to the glory of God. What does it mean when the glory of God comes? It means his way gets manifested. The glory of God is his weight on a situation is when the glory of God manifests whatever he wants is happening. And so it's when we say amen to scripture and we believe it and we trust it and we stand on it that it, it, its power is exerted into our lives and then through our lives into our situation. As we pray scripture over a situation, my son is wayward, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you love him. I thank you that you've got a great plan for his life. I thought, Lord, I call him back in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Father, that he will not die, but he will live and he will tell of the goodness of the Lord. You speak the promises of God over that son. You add your faith to it and then you see it materialize. Look. When we realize, um, well, verse 59, when I realize that I'm going astray, I turn back to obey your instructions. When I realize that I'm going astray, how do I realize I'm going astray? Well, the Holy Spirit acts upon a scripture verse that I did when uh, Proverbs 4, 4 it says, uh, put it in your mind so that it will penetrate deep into your spirit. Then I'm doing something, the Holy Spirit says, remember that word that you put in your spirit a long time ago? Your actions are out of line with that word that's in your spirit right now. And you're like, oh, snap. Isaiah 30 calls it that still small voice behind you that says, this is the path, walk here in, right? But it, it needs that scripture that's been placed. And look what's happening. Every morning when we go to school during, during school term, um, we, do, uh, we, don't, we don't teach our kids the alphabet, we do alphabet praise. Every single morning, every single week, we pick a different letter of the alphabet and we teach our kids praise words, like you know, um, uh, God is all powerful. And then we tr- uh, memorize scripture verses that is about that. And then every morning we say, thank you Lord that you are all powerful. And that no matter what our needs are today, that you are able to um, help us. No matter what, what dangers lies ahead of us today, you are able to protect us. And so, we teach our kids to do um, ABC, like, you know, uh, ABC praise with verses that are connected to it. And why do I do that? Because I'm a pastor and I want my kids to be, you know, able to stand in front of people and, you know, be all, you know, show offy. No. No. The only reason why I do that is so that my child, when he leaves the way, will have scripture bedded deep in his spirit that will tell him. This is not the way that you were taught to go. And that they have a witness on the inside of them that says to them, here is the path, walk here in. And look, if you ask me now to recite all the scripture verses that we've taught them, I can't even do it. It's like, I don't even know where those scriptures addresses are. It's not a competition. It's not trying to do something that is, you know, goody two shoes like, no. It is to preserve their lives with the truth of God. I'm serious about hiding these words in their spirit. Some of these things that we're teaching them, they don't even know them. They don't even understand it yet. But the words are like an echo that's refraining, like my grandmother used to tell me, and the first verse that somebody gave me was my grandmother that says to me, 1 John 1 verse 9, how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. I've embedded your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, says verse 11. 
that verse has been a refrain that's been echoed over and over and over. And it, it echoed when I was in the bars. It echoes in my brains when I was somewhere where I wasn't supposed to be. And it led me back, even if I made some wrong decisions. Embed the scripture in your children's hearts. Verse 92, because your words are my deepest delight. I didn't give up when all else was lost. Mm. Because your words are my deepest delight, I didn't give up when all else was lost. I can never forget the profound revelations you've taught me, for they have kept me alive more than once. Your wonderful words will become my song of worship. See, it's the words that becomes the song of worship. For everything you have commanded is perfect and true. So the question here today for us as we close, are we meditating deeply? Are we passionately delighting in the word of God? Do we love what he tells us? Is it our heart's desire to hear his words? Like the Bible says, as a deer pants for water, so my soul longs for the words of the living God. Listen to me, if you have been born again, your nature has been changed. And your nature wants to connect with God in such a deeply intimate way. The only reason why it doesn't is because you decide not to do it. You have a hunger and a thirst in your soul for Jesus Christ to be your Lord and to guide you and to be your all in all. Because your nature has been conformed to his nature, like for like, wanting to connect. The Bible says deep cries out unto deep at the... At the uh, at your waterfalls. You do want to connect with God. But somehow, somewhere there are lies that are keeping you, no, I don't have time for this. No, this is not something that a man should do. No, this is not something that, you know, you know I can't do this because, you know, when I'm there, you know, whatever the case may I don't even know what all lies people come up with these days, but um, they must be the same as they were forever because we're still struggling to to make it a priority in our lives. Psalm 84, my soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Listen to me, daughter and son of God. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, you've become a new creation. You've become a creation that is able for the first time to have connection with God. Before you were born again, you were unable to have connection with God. But He has changed your nature and now you are able to connect with Him. That's the longing in your soul that you feel that you don't know how to fix it, that you don't know how to, how to change it. And, and that's why sometimes so many Christians, they, they, they start off good, but then they go searching again for something. Why? Because they're not connecting deeply into the Word of God that is the source of all love and affection and affirmation and identity and settling and contentment that you need. Sink yourself deep into the Word of God. Again, it's our response. But we need to stop consuming junk. Some of us are just too deeply into political things, too deeply into news outlets. You can, you can write an expose of the differences between CNN, MSC, SBC, and ABC, and 
X, Y, Z, and all, all the Bs, and we knees, and, and, and Maxes, and, and, and Foxes, and, and Wolves, and whatever else things there are. But I ask you, when last have you been in the Word of God? And it's like a faint memory. Come on. It cannot be that way. Come back to John 4 with me. The water I give him will become in him. You say, but I just don't have a desire to do, to read the Bible. You feel like I've read it all. It's become more. Uh, some of you just, I've never even read it, but um, some of you have read it and you've become bored with it. If you've read it and become bored with it, it's because you've not been sharing it. If you take the word of God and you encourage other people with it, it never gets old. But if you've not read the Word of God and you've not really made a point yourself to connect into the Word of God, the Bible says it starts with you getting into it, taking a drink, going again. And then it says, and then after a while, it becomes in you a spring of living water. It's like the Word, you have to put it in there, but after a while, it's like it starts taking the life of its own. And then it starts drawing you into, you, you become more thirsty for it. It's like it draws you, you want more of it after a while. It starts with a bit of a discipline. It doesn't take long before it becomes a delight. Before you don't want anything other than connecting into the Word of God to hear from your Father what He has to say about you today. And who He has on His heart for you to impact with His Word today. The Word of God will never get old if our response to it never gets old. I hope that today, if you have not ever made a decision to get into a, a regular time of Bible reading and to become serious about loving God's Word, that you will be inspired and, and, and um, just prodded to, to go and make seriousness about this because our success rises and falls on each of our connection to God's word in Jesus name let's stand Father we want to thank you for your word Wow, Lord, what a masterpiece. What a masterpiece in your son and what a masterpiece in written form. What a book, what a document, Lord, you've given us to, to guide us, to give us life, to heal us, to heal our souls. Like two or three days ago, as we all just stand for a second, I saw a Time magazine title or, a, or one of those, you know, um, headings on a Time magazine. Uh, cover and it's about that um, I think she's American 
Hawaiian maybe um, tennis player, young, brilliant young tennis player, Naomi um, somebody. And um, the heading at the bottom says, it's okay to not be okay. And I was thinking about that because it disturbed me. And I was praying and I was praying and I said, Lord, I understand where that comes from. Sometimes people struggle really, really hard with things and they have continued struggles with things. And who am I to tell them that, look, you know, it's not okay to be okay. It has to be okay to be not, not okay. It has to be okay to acknowledge your, your struggle and, and to not have to hide it. And I agree with that, but something in it was disturbing to me. And I was, I was praying about it, I was praying about it. And then all of a sudden it hit me. And I felt the Holy Spirit said to me, in a world without Christ, that is the best you can offer someone. I want to say this to you, friends. It is okay to not be okay. But there is still hope. There is still hope. And that hope is found in the Word of God. And He wants to walk you through that. He doesn't want you to stay there. In a world without Christ, the best you have is to come to terms with what you're struggling with, what you're addicted to, what you're under the influence of. The best you have is to, to accept it and to, and to get used to the suffering and to adjust your life in such a way that you're comfortable. But we don't live in a world without Jesus Christ. And so, if you will put your faith in your agreement with God's Word and not with Time Magazine, God will lead you to a better place. God will help you overcome. And you do not have to stay forever stuck in your hurt. You do not have to stay forever stuck in your struggle. But until then, Jesus does not judge, but he invites. He says, come take my hand. Come immerse yourself in my word and let my word transform you. You don't have to perform it. You don't have to fake it because the word of God doesn't need your performance because it's the means of grace by which we are changed needs your response it needs our response the word of God we have to respond by faith to what the word of God says let's close in prayer father we acknowledge that our response to your word has been has been mediocre at times and Lord we want to up our game we want to we want to acknowledge that this book contains your life and your desire for us Lord God I pray for each person here today that they will be inspired invoked Lord that they will be prodded to 
to go out and to find time to learn more about your scripture, to dig deeper into your scriptures, to find meaning, to find your wisdom, to find you, Lord Jesus. I pray that in your name today. Amen. Thank you, Denise.